0: that Murray magic is back welcome bird gang on today's show Zach Gershman joins me Kyler Murray looked like Kyler Murray on Sunday James Conner returned Michael Wilson returned and the Cardinals returned to the win column there was a lot to like in week 10 it's Cardinals cover 2 episode 698 and it starts now Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buddha Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic!
1: Wow!
0: <laughs> Here's Craig Grealoux. Because we all need more Zach Gershman in our lives, he is back on a Monday edition of Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Don't worry, Paul, just off on assignments, as we like to yep. say, and we will have his weekly Angry Bird Award. I was able to speak to Paul through text Okay, that good. we actually have... A winner, which will be announced a little bit later on. Okay, good because
1: I was not going to be able to live <laughs> up to to Paul's standard. So I'm glad you were able to you were able to touch base with him.
0: By the way, this is this has been a lot of Zach in my life from Friday to Sunday's pregame on the Arizona Cardinals NFL kickoff show to earlier on Monday morning on Morning Scramble and now here later on Monday with Cardinals Cover Two. Basically, I can't get rid of you you're like i, I, I just, come on what are you gonna say I, I i'm unable to rid myself of you is that, is that a problem and that's a positive that's that's a positive
1: okay yes, that's a positive you could say it was all by choice
0: i'll say this it was by choice yeah, first and foremost thank you. two um you're severely overdressed for cardinals cover two again this is audio only podcast format no video but zach is in a I wouldn't say it was full suit, but it's, oh, it's a coating, full suit. Full suit and tie. So this is second straight day you've been in a suit and tie. But here on a Monday <laughs>
1: I just think you're underdressed. <laughs> okay. You're just wearing a polo. That's that's, that's dress. Which is normally what I would be wearing, yes. but because I'm wearing the suit now, I got have the confidence to be like, Craig, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, like, come on now. Over it's Victory Monday. Okay. We got to be dressed up, ready to go. I mean, listen, JG is going to wear the same thing that he normally does <laughs> to the podium. But like, I could come in celebrating Victory Monday a little bit. Okay, so you have set the standard now. The bar
0: has been raised. Victory Mondays, you walk in with a full suit. Listen, as long as Nick's Men's it got me, that's all that matters. <laughs> Very well done. I see what you did there. Yeah. By the way, it is a victory Monday. Cardinals walked off the Falcons on Sunday 25 to 23. Matt Prater 23-yard field goal as time expired. His fourth field goal of the day, the fifth walk-off field goal on Sunday or I should say in week 10. That was a league record. Cardinals snapping a six-game losing streak. They are 2 and 0. All right, so we got rid of all the particulars and all the details. Um yes. It's a victory Monday, but it is a welcome back Kyler Murray Monday to the Arizona Cardinals.
1: What a way to allow me to reintroduce myself, as Jay-Z says in his song. I mean, Kyler Murray came into this game, got the ovation he deserved ahead of the game as he, as he jogged out from the tunnel. And then to, to put on that type of performance, to go 19 of 32 for 249 yards, including a rushing touchdown, he, he, he showed that there, that there really was not much of a drop-off. If Kyler Murray, if fans were not so invested in the team and were just a casual and weren't aware of his injury, you would watch this game and think it's another Kyler Murray game. He played quite well in this one. Obviously, the passer rating is going to be a little bit of a deterrent towards that because it was at 71 due to that interception that he did have uh, intended for Trey McBride. But I thought overall Kyler Murray played really well.
0: It was Kyler Murray of old, which I am was not truly 100% expecting right out of the gate. And when you don't do something for nearly a full calendar year, it has been 11 months since Kyler Murray played any kind of football. It's one thing to practice, but the speed of the game in the NFL is at another level. So what would we see with Kyler's return? And we saw a little bit of everything. And everything that we hoped we would see, maybe just weren't expecting to see right out of the gate. But Kyler Murray was under center. He was in shotgun. He was rolling out a little play action. He was running. He was scrambling. He was buying time in the pocket. Everything that this franchise fell in love with the player coming out of college is what we saw on Sunday immediately. And I think that took a lot of people by surprise. It didn't take Kyle Murray by surprise. He fully expected this. He was told he's 100% healthy. Okay, I'm going to let it loose. And I, to a certain extent, I do think the Cardinals and offensive coordinator Drew Petzing kind of had a game plan that utilized every bit of Kyler's skill set.
1: And that's why Jonathan Gannon said after the game, well, that's exactly why Kyler Murray laughed at me when I said he wasn't going to look like the Kyler Murray of old that you were alluding to, Craig. I mean, Kyler Murray came into this game, heard all the noise. He's somebody that kind of keeps receipts. He's been aware of what everyone has said about him. He's aware of the disrespect that he gets all throughout the NFL and across the media landscape. And he went into this game with a chip on his shoulder. He said, of course, and the the last drive, the fact that he had to orchestrate a game-winning drive, he said, of course that this is what the story is going to become, and this is what the script has led to. So Kyler Murray came into this, but I will say, as much as it was about Kyler Murray the player, it was Kyler Murray the person that I think really stood out in this game. After that interception, taking accountability for that, laying his body on the line to go make that tackle, Kyler Murray went into this game saying, we're not going to lose this, both for his own standpoint and from a team standpoint, and he delivered. I think the interception and the
0: response might be maybe one of the bigger takeaways in Week 10 with Kyler's return because immediately it's like, okay, ball's thrown behind your intended receiver, quarterback's fault because it was well behind McBride. And then, okay, instead of hanging your head, arms to the side, what do you do if you're the quarterback? Well, now you got to become a defender. And you make the tackle. Kyler Murray made the tackle. And then he gets up and McBride was right over there as well. And there were some, I wouldn't say words exchanged. How about there was a discussion taking place and, okay, whose fault was it? What were you looking at? What were you expecting? And then post-game, Kyler said, no, that's on me. I was expecting McBride to kind of sit there in the middle. He continued along, and that's something that we'll work on. Perfect answer. Couldn't have been any better. Now, Experienced football players, Kyle Vandenbosch on Cardinal Talk, kind of pointed the finger and just saying it, pointing the finger, that's the wrong choice of words, but saying it was probably more on McBride because as a receiver, you have to recognize the coverage and kind of almost read the quarterback's mind and what they're thinking in that instance, being on the same page. That's what you like to see between quarterback and pass catcher. Well, this is year two for McBride. He hasn't really had a lot of reps with Kyler because Kyler gets hurt late in the season, and that's when, a year ago, McBride was getting more playing time. So that's something that is going to get worked out. But I do like the accountability that Kyler showed. McBride himself upset that that play was Mm -hmm. not made. But what did they do? They overcame it, put it aside, and hooked up later on in the game for that 33-yard reception on a pass that was underthrown, and here now McBride helps his quarterback
1: to make the catch. Exactly, and and there, I spoke with Trey McBride for the post game report, and Trey said that. By there the are, way, nicely done on that. Thank you. Shout out Danny for for all her help. I'm I'm gonna give her her kudos for that one. I, I appreciate her. But when uh for this one specifically, when I was talking with Trey McBride on the post game report, he said there are gonna be a lot of growing pains with this. This is only their first couple of snaps. Together with Kyler Murray taking all the one reps during practice week, and then in this game uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, coming away with that 25 23 victory. I think that it was something that, you know, Kyler assumed one way. Trey McBride did exactly what he was supposed to do now as a player. There's their instinct to look back at your quarterback and recognize what, what he might be doing. But. It's exactly what you mentioned, Craig. It's the fact that Trey McBride and Kyler Murray don't have a lot of experience together. So as these weeks continue to go on, and Trey McBride remains to be tight end number one with Ertz still on IR, this chemistry is going to continue to grow. And I think with Trey McBride being the first tight end to go over 100 yards in 34 years to the day, I don't expect for that to, to stop anytime soon because having a 95-plus yard performance two weeks prior against the Ravens the Cleveland game, everyone wants to flush that from their memory. But then to respond in this type of way, you kind of see this as a upwards trajectory for Trey.
0: I like what McBride said post-game when he was told about that stat, that Rob Awalt, in 34 years to the day, November 12, 1989, 105 receiving yards against the Cowboys, McBride's response was, quote, I wasn't even thought
1: of. I was still 10 years before I was born, so that's crazy, end quote. And I'll say too, Craig, I, I when I told him that stat post game, he was very emotional. He was very complimentary of the team for trusting him and, and everything like that because he, he has made mistakes. There was that interception, he, and he bounced back, and he still had the trust of his quarterback, and I think that's something that was truly commendable, and you could see how excited and how thankful and grateful he truly was.
0: goes back to what we were saying about Kyler Murray and more so the person-slash-player, but the trust that a quarterback has to have in his pass catchers or his teammates to begin with, and trusting that McBride can make that play. McBride going to Kyler and saying, hey, I'm open. Yeah, I've been targeted nine times, eight catches, but I am open. Look for me. I will make it worth your while. I will come up with the big catch. And he did 33 yards
1: later, setting up for the game winning field goal. Yeah, he called this shot and he said post game, I don't normally tell Kyler what to do. That's not the place of a second year tight end. But he knew exactly what was going to happen. Every single time that Richie Grant, the Falcon safety, was guarding Trey McBride on one on man on man coverage. Trey was blowing him out the water and he spoke post game about how he ran a slightly different route, which is what led to Kyler kind of underthrowing him a little bit, but it's that reaction to, to recognize off the back shoulder that it's coming. your it's coming a little bit short to leap out and make that grab and to only get back up and continue on running, knowing that you're trying to get as close to field goal range for a Matt Prater chip shot as you could have. And I think those, those additional yards certainly did help. The coaching staff was very, he, uh, again, has said Trey McBride lit it up, and, and he certainly lit it up on Sunday. A season-long
0: 33-yard catch. Earlier in the game, he had a then-season-long 28-yard grab in the second quarter to help set up Prater's second field goal of the game. And while we're talking about Trey McBride, as I mentioned earlier here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. No Paul Calvisi, but that does not mean we do not have an Angry Bird Award winner. And the winner, according to Paul, this week... For the
1: second time this season, it is the second-year tight end, Trey McBride. Ah, I'm flexing like as if I'm Trey McBride. No, that's so awesome for Trey, and, he, you know, that's a pretty good honor. I mean, there's like AP All-Americans, there's this, <laughs> there's Angry Bird. I put Paul's right up there. I mean, it, and it's true, though. Week one, or, or in the first few weeks, rather, I believe it was either the Giants game or the game against the Cowboys, Trey McBride absolutely bulldozed the player as he as he got his way into the end zone. Um, I believe it was against the Giants. I could be mistaken, but or uh, it was it was just incredible to see how no matter what he prides himself on not getting tackled on your first defender that's coming your direction. And in so many cases, the yards after catch he he without a doubt has to lead the Cardinals in in yards after catch in my opinion.
0: He is taking a step, I'd say a giant step forward, getting the opportunity because Zach Ertz is on IR that McBride can be and is becoming a starting tight end in the National Football League and you like to see where this is going not only this season but hopefully years to come now that play that we're talking about that 33 yard catch does not happen if it were not for a play earlier on that drive third and 10 Kyler runs for 13 yards on a scramble now the play-by-play sheet is going to make it look like okay Kyler does Kyler things and he gets 13 yards when he needed 10 well Watch the highlight. Everyone has seen it now because Kyler from his 42 yard line backpedals all the way inside the 20, about the 19 yard line, eluding defenders, and then crosses the line of scrimmage, gains the 13 yards. And according to next gen stats, Kyler covered almost 69 yards on that scramble because it was a must need. He needed to get that first down. Otherwise, you're looking at fourth down. Yeah, you would go for it at that time. But that's the difference. That's what separates Kyler Murray from about what 99% of all the quarterbacks out there
1: because he can make things happen when there is not a play to be held. You need to win the game, put the ball in Kyler Murray's hands. And he said that he could not come back in this type of way and lose. That would not that was not going to happen. He was not going to stop at anything. And the fact that he evaded pressure, scrambled out the pocket, and the irony of the fact that it was using his legs that he saved the game. The one question that everybody had is how hesitant is he gonna be? Is he gonna be the same with his legs? You would not tell a single difference by the way, that Kyler Murray scrambled out of the pocket there, evaded pressure, went from the left side or went from the far side of the field to the near side of the field, ran by where he was where he tore his ACL initially against the New England Patriots eleven months ago to that day and got that first down and he popped up and he was energized and it was some of the most emotion that we saw from him. I was down on the field for that one moment getting ready for the postgame report, and I was we were talking about this ahead of time. When you're in the press box, you can't you could hear rumbles from the crowd, but you can't fully hear everything. To hear the to hear him drop back kind of hear the crowd surprised a little bit, a little bit stunned, a little bit quiet, and then just as he's running, the crowd continues, the, the sound continues to rise, and once he got by that first down marker, um, the crowd erupted. It was incredible.
0: And Kyler took it to another gear on that run as well because he knew what was at stake, needing not just the 13 yards, but getting back to the line of scrimmage because if he was stopped behind the line, now all of a sudden instead of 4th and 10, you're looking at maybe 4th and 20, but he – He was running full speed, and sometimes you don't know what you're capable of coming off an injury until you're forced to do it because it's one thing to practice on the field behind us that, all right, lay it out. Accelerate as much as you can, full speed, really test that knee. Okay, you can do that running straight ahead, but doing it, wearing a uniform, in a game, late fourth quarter, and having defenders chase you I think that was a real moment, at least for me, that, okay, he tested the knee. It's fine. Whether he even thought about this or not, I have no idea. But in the moment I did, and even afterwards, like, okay, Kyler is back. He's all the way back. And there should never have been a hesitation on my part or anyone else's that, well, let's kind of ease our way into Kyler Murray back as your starting quarterback because there was no
1: easing in for k one on Sunday, not when you have the Falcons' defensive line in your face with the game on the line, because then, then the leg was going to be the, la- the knee was going to be the last of the problems. It was going to be the decision making that was going to be the question about trying to scramble out the pocket and losing those 15-20 yards and sending you sending your offense further back on fourth down. Just the fact, that I doubt he was thinking of his knee in that moment because at that point. He already got his first couple runs out of the way, and he literally ran into the end zone for a touchdown using his legs, which I thought was awesome, the fact he got in untouched. We were able to see Kyler Murray jog out the tunnel, run during the game, and then have to run for his life on that last one, but... Great job by, by K-1 to get out there to recognize the pressure and to see a hole on that right side of the field because he took advantage of it. Kyler post game quote,
0: God bless me with the ability to do things like that. Later on, he talked about at the end of the day, if it comes down to being the ball in my hands, I have to make something happen. I like what head coach Jonathan Gannon had to say, quote, that's why he is who he is. Yellow to Froll had a great quote <laughs> about Kyler because this was the first game action for those two Quote, then Kyler started doing cartwheels and whatever and spins out, picks up speed, and then gets the first down. It was phenomenal, end quote. And that's a perfect word to describe that play. Not the first time we've seen something like this. There's that two-point conversion <laughs> against the Raiders back 21 in the day. seconds. But this is, once again, another
1: play that separates Kyler Murray from everyone else. Yes, it definitely does. Craig, I do. I want to pose a question to you, though, because obviously Kyler Murray's performance is one of those that – You know, it was was spectacular. It was Murray magic at its core. Uh, The one thing that I kind of was a little bit concerned about, confused about, was the lack of a connection with, with Hollywood Brown. And I think that that's something everybody in the media went to Hollywood Brown to ask him questions ahead of this week because of their connection with each other. Hollywood Brown said, I want him to hit me early and often. And in this game, only, I believe it was the four targets and only one reception. And that one reception was 28 yards. It was the long for for Hollywood Brown, and at that point it was the long for the offense, tied with Trey McBride. But I was a little bit confused and concerned about the the chemistry between them. Well, what do you What do you say about that?
0: I'll add this that that there was a pass interference call on there mm-hmm. on one of the targets, so account for those yards as well. And then the misfire. I think the one throw that Kyler would really like to have back is the deep shot in which he had Hollywood wide open and he dives and it was just off his fingertips. On that same play, there was a wide open Trey McBride for a good 15, 20 yards that would have converted on third down to keep that drive going. I don't mind the deep shot because of the connection, that friendship, that quarterback and wide receiver have. But yeah, it is strange, not that Trey McBride led the team in targets and receptions and receiving yards, but the fact that Hollywood Brown had just one catch. Now, how much of that is the Falcons saying, hey, we're going to take away your number 1 wide receiver? I wouldn't say it's a concern, but it's something to work on because, yeah, you'd like to win, but I do think you need to have your number 1 wide receiver a little bit more involved, although it did open up things for the tight end position overall. 13 targets combined with McBride, Jeff Swaim and Elijah Higgins, and then the running game as well with James Conner, which we haven't gotten to, but it is one of those stats that you look and go, he had how many re- passing yards and only
1: one reception to his best friend. So I think more of an anomaly than anything else. I, I would I would hope so. And this was the first game at home this season that Hollywood Brown did not score a touchdown. He scored a touchdown every single home game at State Farm Stadium. And I think they wanted to connect early and often. But I, I, as you mentioned, I believe that the Falcons did uh, set up a defensive plan to try to limit Hollywood Brown. But the Falcons were also at without their without their slot corner in uh, D. Alfred. He was out with an injury, and that's what I believe also led to Trey McBride having such a stop, such a solid game because they had to put Richie Grant on him in that case. But the running game, I believe, as you as you alluded to, Craig with James Conner's return, it it definitely opened up the play action, the running game and that's what allowed him to also have a really solid game.
0: James Conner finished with 73 rushing yards. He averaged just over 5.5 yards a carry, which is great, which is outstanding. It's below his season average but he was coming back after missing four games because of a knee injury and when you have a running back a quality running back and this is no shot at the running backs previously that played while Conner was out but there is a difference and defense is know that there's a difference. I don't think the past four games, the past four opponents, that defenses were acknowledging the Cardinals' running backs. Yes, the rushing totals, they were still getting over 100 yards. They were still productive, but it was a different kind of production. It seemed different. It looked different on Sunday with James Conner back in the fold. Plus, he's a physical running back. He invites the contact, and like McBride getting emotional after a play, James Conner will get hit, stand up, flex, yell, scream to get everyone involved, probably more for himself, his teammates, but the fans as well, and that's the emotional leader that this team has not had on offense minus James Conner.
1: That's why I, I continuously call James Conner like the Energizer Bunny because when he was out there, it seemed like at points the offense did not look as, I don't want to use the term, into it, but they were not, He was he was really the life. Of that offense, he brought a lot of energy to it. And, and to see him come back in this one with the added energy already from Kyler Murray and just also having the ability to have a target like Michael Wilson as well make his return, James Conner does have the ability, as you mentioned, invites the contact, embraces the violence. And that's one of the things that, James, that Jonathan Gannon absolutely loves about him with that high motor physicality on defense. He's the one that exemplifies it truly on offense. And to have the um, 73 yards on 16 attempts, I mean, I'm sure he would have loved to have gotten to the end zone, but he, he could have gotten into the end zone at the end of the game. But he sat down. And I think that was a very selfless play, knowing that he was setting up a chip shot for Matt Prater to win it all.
0: Smart decision by James Conner twice to fall short of the end zone and forced the Falcons to call their final timeout. So, again, a heads-up play by James Conner. The offense, was it perfect? No. Too many penalties. There was a delay of game. By the way, I looked it up. First delay of game on offense this season by the Arizona Cardinals, and it came early in the game, midway through the first quarter. The play clock is going down. Kyler looked up, kind of looked to the sideline. Do you want me to call a timeout? And we've heard, I can't can't remember if it was Gannon or Drew Petzing say in the past that sometimes it's okay early in games, to take that delay a game, take that five yards to keep that timeout in your pocket for late half situations or late game situations. Previously, a timeout would have been called over the past four years because there would have been a little bit of panic. There was no panic. Just let the play clock expire, come back first and
1: 15, and then set up again. It's the fact that Jonathan Gannon stays on the sidelines with his arms crossed. <laughs> and but I think that Jonathan Gannon, truly, that, that's this team's motto. There is no panic. They're gonna Whatever comes their way, they're going to figure out a way to handle it. And they've faced tons of adversity, and although they've handled it, it hasn't always translated to wins. It's not always going to translate into wins. But to see them come back in this type of way and to accept the delay of, a delay of game early on in the game, recognizing what long-term could potentially happen, it's like they knew that this was going to be a dogfight. Atlanta was very was very uh, is our top of the league in terms of explosives. They're very good at that. Their defense also really solid. They knew that they were gonna need as much help as they could get. A timeout is help for a defense or an offense if needed. And they they, they kept them and it was definitely was certainly helpful. Again, can it
0: be better? Absolutely. But of I think course. you're gonna see improvements over the coming weeks with this offense. It's a lot about Kyler Murray in week ten, rightfully so, but you gotta give some love and some shout outs to the defense and special teams. Defensively, this was not a great effort as far as stopping the run, but 41 rushing attempts by the Falcons compared to 21 passing attempts. You're going to give up yards, but they did enough. In fact, they did not allow a first down for the Falcons in that third quarter, allowing the Cardinals' offense more shots to get back in the game, take the lead, retake the lead, and I was impressed by what that defense was able to do because you don't have a lot of names on that side of the football, but mm-hmm. you have a lot of talented players, and there were different guys who were able to step up at different moments
1: on Sunday. I think it's those names though that did step up. I mean, I mean Buddha Baker and Kaiser White leading the team with, uh, I believe Buddha had ten tackles and Kaiser had eleven, just just beating him by one. Those guys back there are a huge part of, and Buddha's talked about plenty of times. Our job as a defense is to just give the ball back to the offense. And they were able to do that in the third quarter and in crucial moments as well when Antonio Hamilton stopped that two-point conversion in the fourth quarter after a DPI. Now I do, Now the one thing that the defense must improve on is the penalties because the penalties continue to hurt them. Especially McCarty, on third down to extend exactly. drives. Exactly. And there are multiple moments where, I mean, on offensive side, Trey McBride said that penalties have gotten them out of the red zone a few different times, but on defense, it got them into the red zone for, for the Atlanta Falcons offense. So that's one area they really have to clean up, and I know that that's, that's JG's bread and butter is the defensive side of the ball, the discipline on the defensive side of the ball. That's an area that truly needs to improve because they, the Cardinals rank atop the NFL in, in penalties, so they got to definitely step it up there. Cardinals
0: defense did allow the Falcons to score three touchdowns on four trips inside the red zone, but again, they held the Falcons to just 23 points in an offense that with now Kyler Murray, you should be able to score better than 23 points a game, and if you allow James Conner to score that touchdown late, yeah, yeah, the Cardinals do get 29, maybe 30 points going for two, and it's a 30-point offensive performance as opposed to being smart about it kick the field goal, make it 25-23, that's your final. But also defensively, they were able to get three sacks, two by B.J. Ojolari, and a third by Dennis Gardeck, who now has 13 career sacks. That's the most by a Cardinals player who entered the league as an undrafted free agent. But much like with McBride taking advantage of his time, his reps' time, or his, his snaps on the football field, I think we're seeing it's early, but we're seeing the progression of a B.J. Ojolari coming to his own because for the first time since week three, an outside linebacker not Zavon, not named Zayvon Collins was able to play more snaps than anyone else. Now Ojolari and Zayvon Collins played the same, but last couple of weeks it's been Zayvon Collins ahead of everyone. But Ojolari has had his snap count increase Week by week in that production, we're starting to see it
1: on Sundays. The coaching staff assured the media and assured the fans that they did have a plan when it came to uh, into easing B.J. Ogilari into the off into the defense rather. The plan has been executed to perfection. And it's the fact over the past two, three weeks, as Trey McBride's gotten better, so has B.J. O'Jolari. In the games that Trey McBride has played well, so has B.J. O'Jolari. So I guess the two are kind of in the same wavelength in that category. But B.J. O'Jolari got his first career sack against the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago. And I asked I asked Paris Johnson Jr., I said, considering he's your rookie teammate, you've gone to become best friends with these guys like, you you have to block B.J. during practices. What have you seen from him that's allowed him to start to to rise a little bit? And he said to me, he's going to continue getting better, and because he got that first sack, he's going to want to come into practice and be even more competitive and challenge me even more because he wants to get that second sack and that third sack. And just so happened he got both of those in his previous game. Ojolari, eight tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. He was all over
0: the field. By the way, the Cardinals, top three. Tied with the Jets for most tackles for loss this season, 54. And tackles for loss, sacks, about the same. But if you're able to get a tackle for loss or a sack early in a drive, now all of a sudden it's second and long, third and long. And that's when the defense really can pin their ears back and rush a quarterback. And I think we're seeing Nick Rollis' defense. You don't have that main pass rusher. You're getting production out of a number of different players but a good rotation as far as defensive line, linebackers, and even some
1: guys in the secondary rushing the quarterback. But think about last season. It was J.J. Watt and it was Zach Allen. Those were the two leaders, and then I believe it was Jonathan Ledbetter who had one that's currently on the active roster now. That, this is a completely revamped defense, and they found a way to get to the pass rusher. And it's, it's the fact that Gardeck and B.J. Ojolari, both of those two, had sacks, and they were not – I mean, BJ wasn't even on the team. He was down in Baton Rouge last year, but, but Dennis Gardeck was. And it's to, to see this defense have so many players that could come into it, regardless of big name or not, and make an impact and get to the quarterback is truly incredible. And it shows that as much as it's about the talent, it's not necessarily about the big-name players out there. Both,
0: or I should say all three of the sacks happened in that third quarter in which the Cardinals only allowed a field goal. And again, no first downs allowed by that defense. In fact, just 15 net yards by the Falcons in those 15 minutes in the third quarter, allowing the Cardinals to come back into the ball game, retake the lead, go into the fourth quarter with the lead, 22-17, after we saw Clayton Tune for the second time on the field. Earlier in the game, it was a pitch to James Conner on fourth and one, and then goal line situation, the tush-push, and I think we're going to see more of that, or at least third and short, fourth and short
1: situations, you might see a little bit more Clayton Toon. Yeah, congratulations, Clayton Toon, for his first NFL career (laughs) touchdown. I mean, he bobbled the snap as he he got into the end zone, but... It, that I guess that's the the beauty of the tush pushes. You have somebody pushing you from behind, and they're able to that ball bounce right back into his arms. It's going to be a huge help to have a bigger body quarterback that you have the ability to throw under center. I mean, Kyler is not the biggest, as we all know. He is strong. He could still get into the end zone, but we know that the contact's not necessarily in, in Kyler's wheelhouse. Clayton Toon doesn't know really what to expect. He's got the one taste from the Cleveland Browns defense, and I'm pretty sure that's a taste that would probably try to avoid any rookie quarterback from trying to get back onto the field. But JG said he came into practice. He had an incredible week of practice, a really, really good week of practice. It seemed a little bit like game. JG was kind of like taken back when talking about Clayton Toon because he was saying, like, really good like really good and you were able to see that and to have that trust from your coaching staff to throw a rookie quarterback in there at the one yard line when you least could afford a turnover it was good to see Clayton get it in
0: and that drive set up by special teams it's a three-phase game offense defense and special teams and we got to mention the special teams greg dorch a season best 49 yard punt return That helps set up Toon's one-yard touchdown run. And then Matt Prater, perfect on the day. Four field goal attempts, four made field goals, the walk-off, but two more from beyond 50 yards. He has 17 this season. That's the most in franchise history. 76 now for his career. That leads the league. The next closest is 58. And right now, Matt Prater is on a roll. I'm not sure what his limit would be as far as how far Jeff Rogers would be comfortable and even Prater comfortable sending him out there for perhaps something that was beyond 58, 59, maybe upwards of 60 or 61 yards.
1: We've seen him nail through those 61 yarders, but he is still in his 17th year in the NFL. And it's quite remarkable to see how he hasn't, you know, his game hasn't slowed down at all. It hasn't gone down because of age. He continues to improve. He continues to be consistent. And I think that's the beauty of it. Matt Prater is one of the most consistent kickers in NFL history. Now he's 16th in the NFL's all-time career point list. 17 for 17 on game-winning field goals. I don't know necessarily what the limit might be. There were multiple cases in previous games where it would have been a 60-yard kick, 61-62, and JG just decided to punt or go forward on fourth down. And, you know, that's where you begin to question, like, does Matt Prater have the leg still to do that? But to go for 56 and 51 yards, a 23-yard chip shot to win the game is, is is cake for him.
0: And 17 of 17 on game-winning field goal attempts in his career. The definition of clutch would be Cardinals kicker Matt Prater. So all in all, a good Sunday, a good return, a good first step. Now we just need to see, okay, as they say, what have you done for me lately? This week needs to be forgotten about and work ahead for the Houston Texans. And can you do this again? Because now we know what this team is capable of when you have a Kyler Murray, a James Conner, a Michael Wilson, a defense that plays complimentary football, special teams that has a hand in the outcome. Cardinals, yeah, 2-8. and eight, But what do you do in these next seven games
1: will mean a lot with what the direction of this franchise moves forward. Winning a game is nice. Winning more games is even nicer. I mean it's even better. It's it's the you can't get complacent with this one. You can't start, you know, going into this being like, We won this game, we haven't won in a while, we're good, Kyler Murray's back, everything is saved. It's not. You still have the remainder of the season, you still have Houston coming up, and there's a lot that goes into that with just the draft pick in and of itself, knowing that Houston, you have Houston's first round pick you would love nothing more than to give them a loss and drop them down a few spots if you're thinking long-term with it. But the, the, the offense has to just continue to build that chemistry with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray con- needs to continue to build the trust with the coaching staff because this is not just a seven game now for the rest of the season. And all right, it's on to the next. This could be Kyler's future with the Arizona Cardinals. If he plays as he did on Sunday— Great. He's going to remain with the Arizona Cardinals, and you're going to begin to look at the NFL draft through a different lens. Do you want to tackle? Do you want a wide receiver, defense side of the ball? Whatever it is. But you got to know that you have Kyler Murray and you have a consistent Kyler Murray post-surgery.
0: My question now for Kyler on this Monday after a game is, how do you feel yep. Monday waking up? How do you feel going into Tuesday, the players' day off? and that recovery from your first game action. How does the knee feel? A good soreness, you would expect, you would hope, and then overcoming that soreness to get the body ready for another
1: game. Honestly, maybe, maybe I'm just reading into this too too deep, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a Wednesday off to kind of ease back into it a little bit, let his body heal, because of the fact that— I'd be surprised. You would be? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I feel like with his leg, with how, with how they've slow played everybody else's recovery— it would not surprise me to see him give, give him an extra day off. Now, if Kyler Murray wants an extra day off, is a completely different question because he's the type of player that wants to be out on the football field no matter if it's a practice or it's, it's, a, it's a very important game. He wants to be out there. But that's one of those boxes that, that they need to check with him. Playing in the game is just a box at that. Now they got to see the recovery. Now they got to see how his body has reacted to getting hit Soreness is one thing, the bruising. Everything afterwards is something they're going to have to keep an eye out for.
0: And Wednesday's injury report, even if Murray does show up, limited. I wouldn't be concerned at all because, to your point, that's just either playing cautious and just getting him back into that routine of knowing what your
1: body needs in order to get back on the football field a week from Sunday. Yeah. And I think that we we t- it was nice to not—I mean, I write all the injury reports. So it was nice <laughs> to not write Kyler Murray's name on the injury report this week because he went into this fully healthy, and he's been fully healthy for the previous couple of weeks. As that that kind of goes back to my point, though, as to why I would not be super surprised. I think the plan all along was for this Atlanta game to be the game. I know that's what most of us predicted uh, to be the case, and there were those predictions came to fruition. Well, it, not well, Danny's. Yeah. Not Danny's. <laughs> wow, a subtle shot there at the end of the no, show. No, listen, I, I, I love it. That, that's it's great. Uh, I gave her her kudos in the beginning. Now she she knew she was wrong. She said that she's gonna take it on the chin. So she was wrong. Everybody else was right. So I'll give a, I'll give us all some some props for that one. By the
0: way, I look forward to a week from today where you are walking back into the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center in a new suit or a suit because again, the as Big we established, Monday, as we established here early on. Victory Monday means Zach Gershman shows up in a suit or a coat and tie. I dug myself into hole. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs>
1: Good <laughs> stuff, Zach. All right, I'll take it.
0: And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.